Chapter Nineteen of From Mud to Mufti by Bruce Bairn's Father. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen. Off to the French Front. Loneliness in Paris. Follies Bourget. Now I want to ask all readers of this book to exonerate me from any charge of egoism. I feel that many will be interested to hear exactly all about what my job as a cartoonist was like and how and where the pictures were drawn. Also, it is necessary for me to give a general idea of the results of the pictures and a variety of personal details if I am to explain fully. The vast mass of letters that I have received from all over the world has emboldened me to put as much as I can of the personal note into these pages. I have felt there are so many who would like to know the inside of fragments from all fronts that I am going to describe the actual work in connection with my drawings, as well as the geographical adventures which led to them. My first return to the continent after the events related in the last chapter was to the French Army. The French Army Intelligence Department applied for me to be sent to their front to live amongst the troops there, and to bring out pictorially, and in my own way, a series of cartoons. At the time this came about as an order, my pictures in the bystander had been bound into several books under the title Fragments from France, and had had an enormous circulation. The French papers had commented on them, and ultimately the application which I have mentioned above occurred. I went to the war office, and having received my pass and certain papers, I set off for France. A large and complicated paper had been given to me, amongst others, which told me the number of a certain corps in the French army I had to report to. It said nothing about the part of the line where I should find this corps, but somehow or other I got it into my head that this particular corps lurked about somewhere near Reims or Soissons. After a suffocating all-night journey following a nauseating passage to Boulogne, I arrived at the Garde du Nord in Paris, where I reported to the French Provost Marshal's headquarters. I was shown into an office. A very courtly French colonel explained most politely and gently to me that the corps in question was near Rosendahl. And where is that? I asked. He turned to a large map and pointed a finger practically at Ostend. Heavens! Near Ostend! And here have I come all the way down to Paris. Vision of another long, suffocating journey with a suitcase almost back to where I had started from. I thanked the colonel and returned to the station to find out the trains for the next morning. I really couldn't get into a train again that night. I'll stay the night in one of these pubs here, I thought to myself, and acting on this impulse selected the Hotel Terminus du Nord, which faces the station. Mine was to be a lonely job. During all my wanderings from this date on I was cast for long, solitary train journeys and nights in various hotels, estaminets, and billets all on my own. Here I was now in Paris, just about to have a sample of the kind of evening I have had so many of. I went that night to the boulevards and wandered around. I sat in several cafés, always with my notebook and pencil, and watched the cosmopolitan and semi-military crowd as it moved in an apparently endless stream down the boulevard des Italiens. It was late autumn, and the interior of the cafés was crowded. Looking out from the brightly lighted interior, the street seemed to be a joyous mass of humanity, all forever moving onward. I sat back on the frowsy seats, and with a sheet of paper and a drink on the marble-top table in front, followed my customary habit of weaving pictures in the tobacco smoke around. Later I went to the Café de Madrid, and had dinner. Tomorrow I was starting for Rosendahl in the front. After dinner, shunning the dull quiet of the Hotel Terminus du Nord, I decided to go to a show somewhere, 
and soon concluded that what would be about my mark would be the Follies Berger. So off I went, and after the usual robbery at the entrance, roamed around the palm court, listened to the band, and with the aid of a whiskey and soda watched the fountain squirting water out into the smoke-laden atmosphere. What a mass of women they have in that place, somehow! Gaudy, doubtful women, fountains, and lazy bands form a very curious background to that front, which, not so many miles away, is dealing exclusively in death, toil, and devastation. But here it was, all going strong. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow somebody else dies. There was some show going on at the stage, but as I can't understand a word of French at the speed the natives talk it, I contented myself with absorbing the sights of the palm court. Having sat in the palm court at the Folies Berger, and in kindred theatres a score of times, I have come to the conclusion that there are other dangers besides the trenches. This fancy, it's probably only a stupid hallucination of mine, I have recorded in the shape of a drawing which you will find in one of the books of fragments, namely, Come on, Bert, it's safer in the trenches. I left before the end of the show and walked back to the hotel. Having overhauled my baggage and told a swarthy rogue of a boots to call me in the morning, I went to bed and recuperated for my journey to Rosendahl in the morning. End of chapter 19 Recording by Philip Gould